1: Welcome back everybody to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's a Tim's Day here Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, Monday, March 27th. We had an opportunity to see the first five periods of Saturday's practice. I was on the defensive side of the ball. We've we Tim and I have agreed that the offensive side of the ball is more fun to to cover for five periods if you only have five periods because they're throwing a football around and Tim they never they never got into any kind of team stuff seven on seven, let alone 11 on 11. So, um, I did, not I wasn't able to, you're a lot better at it than I am. I wasn't able to pull out a whole lot about the defensive side of the ball, but we, we do have comments, I think on individuals and how they look. I had an opportunity to get up close uh, to the defensive line as L Washington was working with those guys. We'll talk about that, but just some of the things that you saw in practice three of 2023 spring.
0: Yeah. What, um, didn't see much of the running backs because they were not hitting uh they started hitting the second we were leaving that would have been a really good time to watch the running backs when they were doing the first and goal from the 10-yard line drill i thought that would have been a nice period six to see um but the receiving uh, there's a question on irish illustrated what group looks better from your brief viewing from last year quarterbacks or receivers and the receivers look a lot better and deeper um and more athletic Got to remember spring last year, we had a very low opinion of the receivers. It turned out to be correct. Um, Joe Wilkins was part of the group. By the time he came back, he quit the team. Uh, The receivers have come a long way, but I must say, if you were to go quarterback one, two, three, four, no names, quarterback one throws a lot better than quarterback one last year. Quarterback two looks better than quarterback two last year, and three and four look a lot better than three and four last year. I really like the quarterback room. Um, They are, of course, throwing against air while we're in there, but. And Jelly had some beautiful deep corner routes. Sam Hartman, you can tell who's throwing it. Tyler Buckner, I made note, he threw that. I that we called it the deep cross. It's the over route. He threw a couple of really nice over routes. And anytime Kenny Minchie missed, you knew it was just being a rookie because it looked like he was aiming it. When he just throws it, a deep pass, it's a, it's a pretty looking ball too. So I think the, the quarterback room went from what in the world last year to an enviable room.
1: I obviously, I can't disagree. Sam Hartman's presence on the field can be felt. I think Tyler Buckner's maturity can be felt yeah. to a large degree too. Um, I appreciate the interaction that you see between those two guys. And that's what we expected of Buckner. Of course, there's going to be disappointment when he knows that a guy with yeah. 110 yeah. touchdown passes and 13,000 yards is coming in to, to take over the job or to win the job. But I, I don't think there's any doubt about what you're saying there, Tim. and and you know, Kenny Minchie, Kenny Minchie care, does not carry himself like a freshman. He just no, does, he, doesn't. Doesn't, he doesn't. He does not in an interview room, and he doesn't on the practice field, and and he throws a good ball. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I I don't want to overplay the receivers quite yet. Uh, but, again, looking at body language, when I was coaching, body language was huge for me, so I refer to that all the time. And I think that Tobias Merriweather and Deion and Colsey, there's – there's just a difference in the way they carry themselves on the football yeah.
0: now. Yeah, I did we talk about this on a podcast last year? We had a body language comparison last spring and last August, even of Dion Colsey to Eshack Williams, who you would never think had the best body language at Notre Dame. And I agree with you. that Colsey, I know, I know we also have the background of Colsey has played some ball and made some plays now. So we see that in our minds. Yeah, but no doubt. Yeah, I, I had to double take a couple times with Merriweather. I'm like, oh man, that kid does not look like a kid. Right now, and that's why Caleb Smith said I did not believe people when they told me Tobias was a freshman. I thought that was the good takeaway from him. Yeah, I I just I don't want to overstate it either because last year in August, Chris Tyree looked like a new man when we were watching people do footwork drills. That's not that's not all football is. So we don't want to overplay what we see in the five periods. But those two groups certainly look better. Um, I am wondering what I got a good look at Michael Carmody. We had heard last november december he might be slimming down to be a another one of those move tight ends he would have to bulk up to play right don't you agree at this point
1: well he's listed at 280 i I think he looks like he weighs more than that and i and i I always go back to brian kelly commenting a couple years ago that he was stronger than his size or stronger than his age
0: right right but
1: is not enough i mean it's it's, it's
0: not a guard too that's yeah, and Zeke's that, not that's, huge. Zeke on our board, people pointed out Zeke Carell's not a huge center. He's a right size college center, but you'd yeah. be putting 280 next to 300.
1: Yeah, that's that's different. But I, but again, I think there's an overreaction to the first week of practice because that's what a coaching staff is going to do. We're oh, sure. going to put the older guy out there and at least give him a week to run up front. You know, I don't know how much ones and twos they're doing. We certainly haven't seen it. I'm sure once we leave that they're doing quite a bit of that. Um, you know, Saturday was the first day they were in pad, So that was the per- first, you know, day of any real physicality. Uh, but now, yeah, t- 280 is, is a, a bit startling. But again, I, you know, I'm going to be open mind. Could it be 290 by the fall? I mean, I think anything be- beyond that, could get a little bit sloppy, especially if he's been working on, right, on trimming down and playing tackle or move tight end as you suggested. Two eighty stands out. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do next. Billy Shrouth would be the would would he's over three hundred pounds, and he would be the guy that would quote beat out Carmody for that spot, or so it appears at this point but i don't want to ultra-act
0: right and you, third,
1: know, you know second third practice of spring
0: the info you got to or we received about coogan moving to guard i think he's still probably moving to guard you know what you need is in the spring you need to rotate your centers one two three to have a quality lineup going right. and the only way to do that is if you have three centers and ashton right. craig i bet they develop craig into center number two by end of august camp Whereas Pat Coogan probably has to hold it down a little bit here and he gets more reps. If he's playing there too, they can, they can well, take a look at Coogan, Spindler, Schroff, everybody, because Coogan's playing center.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, just the reality is that I think Coogan's a more realistic number two right guard than Spindler is until we yes, see otherwise. I, I agree. Right? I agree. Until we see otherwise. Um, kicking was not good. It was not really but <laughs> <good>. We couldn't, <laughs> we could not, not, not tell. It was difficult from my angle. Anytime you're on the sideline, and they don't have a student manager underneath the goalpost signaling good or not good. It's very difficult.
0: Yeah, we were on the ground this time. Point We're, we're on the ground, uh, not in the balcony this time, because all the recruits were up top.
1: I'm not sure. Would balcony, maybe balcony would help a little bit more for that angle? I'm always complaining about that. We're, we're, when we're in the balcony, I'm saying I can't see all the way across the field. And when <laughs> we're on the field, I'm saying I can't see through the body. So I don't know where, I don't know. They're going to have to, I'm going to have to have one of those you know, uh, NBC has a guy on the sideline driving back and forth on that little, that, that little automobile with the- Maybe they'll uh,
0: let you shadow, they could let you shadow Freeman for a couple of practices. Yeah,
1: I don't know. But, but anyway, I'm having, I'm having a tough time getting the right angle. But we can, it's hard, it's hard to see kicks when you're on the sideline. And it, it would appear to us that the two kickers, and it wasn't, I don't know if you got the memo on this, I changed I this in our stories about Brian Dowd was the second kicker, not uh Chris Salerno, the brother of Matt. and of course, Zach Yoakum. but I, you know, I don't know that any of us expect Zach Yoakum to win the kicking job. he's a, he did a hell of a job as a kickoff man. Spencer Schrader will arrive this summer yeah. and he's expected to be to be the kicker. so but you know that wasn't that wasn't really good. We didn't see any return stuff on Saturday. I could get into more of what I saw, but I think I'm going to walk over some of the questions in terms of, you know, heights and weights and size. And I did get up close, as I mentioned to the defensive line and got some impressions um, as I was standing there while L Washington was coaching them up. Um, Tim, what else from Saturday before we go to, to segment two?
0: Um, you know, it's the, the full practice is going to help you a lot on, on Saturday. Cause you'll get to see some hitting and, Probably offensive lineman settling in a little bit. What that that'll be practice number seven by then. Seven, eight. They don't practice quite as much. It's probably seven. They don't practice quite as much well, in the spring. Uh,
1: that'll be six on Saturday. Six. Yeah,
0: yeah, you would you would think that'd be some pretty pretty heavy hitting. Um, probably let you know where some of the reserve linemen stand by then. We could speak more intelligently about Schroth versus Coogan versus uh, versus Carell. Yeah, the, my takeaway was I, I keep trying to. I want to make sure I watch as much as possible, Lorenzo Styles, so we don't just talk ourselves into bounce back here, Lorenzo Styles. Because, well, oh yeah, what not? did
1: you, what did you see Saturday? Because I I liked again talking body language. I yeah. liked his body language in, on day one.
0: I did too. I watched them in the in the. It's basically it's it's in the practice report, but you catch a pass going. it's Basically, you're catching a pass in the flat, but your back is to the defense, and you're going horizontally. You got to get vertically and make a cut. He really did have the nicest cut. I mean, it was a really nice jump yeah. cut where you, if if you didn't know all the players, and you're just like, who's that? I thought Lorenzo Styles had the best. I mean, yeah, Lorenzo Styles had the best cut. It was I hadn't seen that jump cut in space from all year last year.
1: One of the uh, I wrote about this in the in the pr- defensive practice report Saturday, and they work on this a lot. And I think I think under I think under Marcus Freeman, it's something they work on more than they did with Brian Kelly, and that's the three on three matchup. Yeah. Between the, the three bunched receivers against an outside linebacker, a safety, and a cornerback, generally, and I think it's really important that you work on those kind of things because you have to be, you better be absolutely assignment correct against a bunch formation, which we're seeing more of by by season. You have to know what your role is. You have to know what you know. What's the trigger to make you switch with your defensive teammate next to you? And it's something that they start practice with a lot. I think it's important. It's an important part of the game now for offense and defense. It's, it's a good, it's a good drill for the, the three receivers to dealing with what the, the three defensive players are throwing at them.
0: That would have been the best drill of the season that we get to watch. If it wasn't walk-on receivers versus varsity players, that was was some of that, but I, I, uh, yeah, I like that as well. And Morrison, as you saw last year, defended it well, um, Cam Hart better last year than the year before. I remember Cam Hart had some weird misses in space this year before, but they're, I mean, J.D. Bertrand's really good against that play. Jack Kaiser's great against that play. Um, it's, you're right, it's something that we definitely see it more under Marcus Freeman, and it's a, it's a good way to start practice because it's a, it's a highly competitive, it's full speed hitting. I mean, they are coming in. Someone drilled Bertrand. I forget which one of his teammates. That was Ramon Henderson. Really got Bertrand, and I was field level. I'm like, man, he took a shot from Henderson, a mishit that got him. So it's a good way to – it's good for us to see, but it'll be a lot more fun to see if we can get um, Mitchell Evans, Tobias Merriweather, and Lorenzo Styles out there instead of the walk-ons getting smashed.
1: No doubt. And for the record, uh, I audibly heard Mike Mickens commending Chance Tucker for the way he dealt with one – of those situations. And you know what, Tim, let, let, let's finish on one more topic here in segment one, in that because I don't think I have a question in the second segment about it, but I know a lot of our readers are talking about why haven't they moved the cornerback to safety yet. Number one, we're expecting it at this point now, since Marcus Freeman mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, a, a transfer safety coming in, but yep. what are your thoughts on moving a cornerback to safety and who might that be
0: so there's three options and i don't i have never thought of chance tucker as an option so i still don't i think chance tucker is a cornerback in a cornerback's body and he could be a good reserve cornerback um i think ryan barnes i don't know if moving ryan barnes to safety allows you to play barnes on game days that's that's a situation. Does that help you? I I don't
1: either, but he would be the more logical. He's the more logical move,
0: but I like Clarence Lewis at corner too, but Clarence Lewis could probably handle it the best in terms of uh, that's not going to be a rough adjustment for Clarence Lewis. He knows everything about the secondary and everything. about the defense. I think the only chance Tucker move I've heard is from our message boards. I don't think Tucker No, I agree. I
1: didn't bring up Tucker to suggest he should move. I I I was mentioning him, you know, being commended by Mike Mickens, but you know, I think more people are are interested in seeing Clarence Lewis, Lewis move to that position, and I think the coaching staff is looking at it like all that we've invested in Clarence Lewis to become a better cornerback and and nickel at, on occasion yeah. last. Now we're going to move him to safety as he as he approaches the last portion of his his college career, which he does have two years of eligibility left because of COVID. Right, uh, but maybe I wouldn't. Maybe
0: it's. Maybe it's because you can look at the cornerback's room and say, all right, they have Morrison and Hart, once Hart is back. They have up-and-coming player Chance Tucker, up-and-coming player last year Jaden Mickey, everyone's favorite freshman and Christian Gray, and Clarence Lewis. Safety doesn't have anything I just said. So yeah, think, we got to move somebody like Clarence Lewis. I, I get it, and
1: it certainly makes sense. And maybe they have a larger role for Thomas Harper at safety that mm-hmm. we're right. aware of. Um, but I certainly understand the reaction. I'm just saying again, my first reaction is why are they not moving somebody as opposed to what the hell are they doing? Why haven't they moved somebody? Yeah. So I think that's key.
0: Yeah. I don't know if Bar- I don't know if Barnes can transition to safety right now because I don't think yeah, he, I don't know. He,
1: down. he dabbled there, you know, and maybe they just don't they just don't like him there. But when do we when do we get a chance to talk to Chris O'Leary? We get the chance to talk to O'Leary
0: Not this week, but next.
1: Uh, April 4th. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know. Mickens does when does Mickens come? Mickens comes after that, so I'm not sure that we'll have an opportunity to actually speak with a coach to address that specifically. But we'll, every time we go out there on Saturday, I'll certainly be looking to see who's at safety and if anybody has switched from the cornerback position. Coming up, segment two burning up the boards.
0: Segment two burning up the boards. Our first question comes from Irish from A2. Even though he's the tight ends coach, do you think this will be a relatively unproductive year for Notre Dame's tight ends in Jared Parker's offense?
1: You know, unproductive in terms of will the tight ends match the number of catches that the previous tight end had? I mean, it's, it's you can probably combine them all and they're not going to. Right. May, may, may not even come close. I wouldn't, I wouldn't label it as unproductive uh, because I do think, and I think you feel the same way, I think Mitchell Evans can be you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he used the word weapon, but I think he can be an effective tight end. Not, not, not so much. You know, not as far downfield as 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 Mayor was at times. I don't think, but uh, you know, I like Holden stays a lot. Uh, yeah. That was the first opportunity I've had to speak with him, and I like him even more. Very mature kid, uh, very confident kid, good size. I don't know. I mean, it depends how you how you uh, determine productivity, but it's almost undoubtedly not going to be the kind of numbers that mayor had. But, you know, we're looking we're talking about an improved, improved receiving course. So that should balance out.
0: I think it's a massive drop off in numbers, but they will have a productive year at tight end. And people I think their name's tight end room is going to be good again. I like Evans. I think I like Evans more than most people do. I like stays more than I did when I showed up a week ago because I got to look at him last year he looked like a wide receiver cuz he might have been built like a wide yeah. receiver let's let's be honest Why he, he was running down the field so fast now he runs like that bigger and Evan's
1: Eli Raridan is going oh, to be a a quality pass catching tight end.
0: Yeah, and he can just you know, all, he can join the fray in late September. He yeah. doesn't have to be ready for that yeah. for that first game. I love Notre Dame's tight ends this year. It's just last year they had one of the two best tight end rooms in the country and you cannot say that this year until season's end when you've watched tight ends play, but it was Michael Mayer 101 targets That was Tyler Eifert in 2012 had 98 targets and those things both happened because the wide receivers weren't good enough.
1: Right. Right. That's why that happened. And I should clarify Eli Raritan, you know, when he's healthy, I don't know exactly when he will, you know, be at at full speed, but a healthy Eli Raritan is a, is a real threat catching the football downfield.
0: Yeah. And I think you'll see more 12 package than most readers and maybe most podcasters think, and I don't mean it's going to be the preponderance of the snaps at all. I just think Holden stays and Mitchell Evans is a comfort zone for Jared Parker and the running game. Even with Sam Hartman, you, two receivers is is great when they're going downfield. There's no problem there. It'll, and Holden stays is a wide receiver and a tight end's body. So I, I do think you're going to see more more twelve than other people think. Not last year, it was a staple. You had to have it was a staple because the guy could never come off the field. Plus, when you sub somebody in, twenty five percent of the time it became a tight end yes
1: yeah and and again we don't and we don't know how much you know we don't know exactly how jared parker is going to use tight ends i know he's a tight ends coach so you would think yeah. that he wants to get more tight ends on the field but i don't know that that's i don't know no, i our, don't
0: know but in sure. my in my mitchell evans story which will be out probably this morning or later on mitchell evans talks about how jared parker is using the tight end and even offers what routes he likes to use. So that's, it was kind yeah. of, it was a good conversation to have.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you caught this and it was in my story on Parker yesterday about him talking about, cause I asked him, you know, what adjustment Hartman has to make to Notre Dame and his offense. And he, and the first thing he said was taking snaps under center, which was not right. something I expected him to say, but again, he was talking about being true to, Notre Dame strengths and the kind of you know offensive defensive line team that that Marcus Freeman wants and that sometimes they're going to get under center center a little bit more uh which should assist maybe the short yardage stuff and and some of the things that they want to do running the football I thought that was interesting it was the last thing that I expected him to say that yeah. that Hartman had to adjust to but I you know obviously Hartman hasn't been under center a whole lot in recent years at wake forest and in today's game most quarterbacks aren't so
0: well now now you have something to get people really mad at in late march Notre name being under center the entire time with three tight ends and no wide receivers there we go that's on irishillustrated.com everybody so next question from ben dorsch any early rumblings on jason Anier, josh burnham tyson ford aiden Gobira, or junior tui halamaka it feels like one or two need to be rotational players at the very least
1: this is a, I think this is a really good question uh, because I believe Marcus Freeman, did he mention, you know, up to 10 defensive linemen contributing? Yep. Didn't yep. he say that? A, a, what was it?
0: Twelve? He said eight, it, it, it's week? eight, but it can be 10.
1: Right. Need it. You Since need eight. eight you, you absolutely,
0: absolutely have to have eight. 10.
1: Okay. But then when you look at this, the guys that we know will be contributing on a regular basis. jean Batip's one. Patello two, Osafa Mensa three, Tui Alamaka four, since he played last year. Uh, Cross would be five, Rubio would be six, Mills. Kiana Aina would well, Mill, be.
0: Riley, five. Riley Mills.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Riley Mills. You know, yeah, I had him on two different lists here. That's seven. Mills, seven. And then, at, you know, Kiana Aina maybe eight, but we're not positive about that. So if you're talking about. Eight to ten, I think it's a really good question. And I I don't have the answer because I don't have any rumblings per se, but I did spend some time around the defensive line the other day. And it did strike me that Jason Onney is a big dude, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, he wasn't really highly rated coming out of high school. And I don't I don't know, you know, exactly where he is in the grand scheme of things for them, but he is now he's six, four and a half, two ninety-two. So that's a that's a good size interior. Defensive lineman Tyson Ford. Uh, why am I not finding him? What number is he, Tim? He is.
0: He gained seventeen pounds, basically, up he to two ninety-two. Yeah, although I think 12. he was bigger than what they listed him. I think he was bigger than what they listed him as last year. He gained seventeen from the from the roster.
1: Okay, well that could yeah. be. So I mean, those are two guys that when you're uh, like when you're up close and watching them practice, those are some big dudes. They got some. They have some length, and they're pushing three hundred pounds. Gobyra's bigger. I think he's 10 pounds more, but I before I even saw what his weight was watching him the other day, it's like, okay, he's bigger than he was, you know, last fall. Burnham's gained Burnham has gained weight too, but he's still 247. Now he's a defensive end, he's a rush end. And so that, you know, that I it's it's hard to put a number on a rush end weight wise because that can that can definitely vary. But it's a good question. I don't know, I haven't heard any rumblings yet haven't had really an opportunity to talk specific D-line stuff, but the question's a good one because, yeah, they need to develop one or two more. Um, and I think it would more likely be Burnham, Ford, Anya, as opposed to Gobaira Go at this yep. point. Louis Alamaka, I would include, he played last year, so you would think that he would he'd be in the mix again this year.
0: Plus Burnham, when you say if someone wants to say Burnham's not big enough, he's big enough for a reserve Viper role, which is what he's going into. You, you can't say he's not going to hold up all year at Viper. He doesn't have to hold up all year at Viper. He has to hold up for
1: eight snaps, ten snaps, something exactly. like that. Exactly,
0: and, and I think his skill set is different than that of the bigger Vipers. Yeah. And and Jordan Batello, man, that guy looks like a Viper. Also, in the Mitch Levin story, was uh he mentioned that Holden Stays was able to quote survive unquote going against Batello, who's also a dog. <laughs> I thought that was telling because he's like, you got to survive against Botello. That's a good sign for Notre Dame. The Titan has to survive against Jordan Botello going one-on-one. On one.
1: Who did you say, who said that?
0: Mitchell Evans said that about, about Holden stays.
1: Oh, well, Holden stays said that about, about Botello.
0: That he's a I dog. Mean, yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I, who's I would not tough- want to face that, that guy in practice or games.
1: I think it was Samson had asked him who's the toughest yeah. guy you go against. And he did not hesitate. And he said, Botello. So. I mean that's great to hear. It's yes. something we've been saying that he's a guy that has to be. This can't. I mean he can't be hit and miss anymore for Notre Dame to be productive from that position, and that's a good sign. I mean I, I he looks to me like he's on the verge of that. For him, it's more about controlling your emotions and staying composed and and knowing how to go from play to play and not getting too high and getting too low. Yeah. I think it's more it's more getting too high as opposed to getting too low. Sure. Um, you know, in terms of your emotions on the football field. Question from J.D. Campbell, 40. With Jaden Mickey, the sentiment this season is he needs to return to his spring of 2022 form when he broke onto the scene. This breakout was against a depleted and undeveloped receiver core. Should we be reassessing our expectations until we see consistency against a true receiver group or in a game?
0: That's a a good question because I agree with the answer. I don't necessarily know that. Mickey only excelled, however, last year because he was going against a depleted and underdeveloped receiver group. I thought Jade Mickey just looked like a future football player last year. The problem is, I believe that was taken as the future was now, then to 2022, and it doesn't. That's it, just not the way it works. Clarence Lewis and Cam Hart were better players than than Jade Mickey last year, and you saw it on the field. I want to reevaluate everything I see Jade Mickey when I see him play Ohio State because Mickey last year struggled against Ohio State publicly, BYU, publicly, and USC, famously. Other than that, I think he was a little better than maybe I give him credit for. So I'd like to go back and look at other games Jaden Mickey played. It's just, I happen to remember the tragic results of some of the plays.
1: I think the biggest issue with him is just overall strength. I mean, you can be quick, you can be quick, you can be a great athlete, but man, if you're out there with a bunch of men, And he, you know, he was not a man last year when he was playing for today. He just, he wasn't Uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, you know, confidence wise, he he may have been, or he went into it that way. But so I think with him, it's, it's uh, just strength. And and my reaction to this question, and I get it, it's, it is a good question from J.D. Campbell 40, but my reaction to it was, you know, you can say that then when you're watching a recruit and he's going against inferior competition you still have to be able to single that guy out, evaluate his technique and how he deals with play, regardless of the competition. So I think what Jaden Mickey showed last year was legitimate. I don't think there's any reason to think otherwise. Could he have gone against better receivers? Yeah, but he's doing some fundamentally things right. Right. That would prompt the coaching staff to be very high on him, regardless of the competition. And that's why I bring up, evaluating a, a recruit on high school film because it has to go deeper in your evaluation than just who he's going
0: against as he's going to be confident going against those guys which points to jd campbell he probably gained a lot of confidence going against guys that he was playing better than last year in spring practice next from any davis thoughts on blake fisher's notice notably svelte appearance and any commentary on the updated heights weights for the spring
1: fisher looks great doesn't he
0: yeah he does
1: I mean, mo- really moving well. 310. There were I, am I correct in this? There was a time when he was listed at 335.
0: At oh, yeah. Yeah. Roster? Last 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 year on the roster. Oh, he was.
1: That's a that's a good 25 pounds. No, he looks great. Um, I mean, we can bounce around a little bit here on the on the roster, Tim, if you want to uh, talk about it. Um, you know, we mentioned those those young defensive tackles. Rubio's at 302, seven pounds heavier. I think he looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. Physically, uh love the way Batello looks at two fifty-five. Jaden Thomas, does that guy does that guy look good in a football uniform now?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's no that sloppiness is is missing. I think from what, well, it's not even what we observed last year. We were told Jaden Thomas needed to cut weight and add strength. Yeah, last yeah. Year. That was
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was part of the conversation. I see Leif out at two thirty-five. I'm not really sure how much more that is. But I think that's a good number for him.
0: Spindler 325. I didn't notice from, but that's, he went from 305 to 315 to
1: 325. Yeah. That's, here, that's
0: certainly good. looking to hold out. Yeah. If it's, if it's good weight, that can't hurt him.
1: Yeah. Because he needs to be able to, to be able to hold the point of attack, you know, better than he has or to be able to move the line of scrimmage better than he has been able to do that. Um, other guy, Ben Morrison is up six pounds. That may not seem like a lot, but for somebody as as aggressive and as physical as he is, being up to one eighty five is good. If he could be a good one ninety by the yeah. fall, that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, and Tobias, I think carries. I think any anytime Tobias keeps gaining seven pounds for the rest of his career is good because he's just so long, and he can easily he can easily handle yeah. seven more pounds on his frame. So it's up to two o five. I said that it just looked like a man out there, and I. Gonna be fun to watch him the rest of this spring. Um, the rest of the guy, like Chance Tucker, needed the weight. That's good that Chance Tucker put that on for for a larger role. Um, and then Jordan Botello, I think it's good. Two fifty five is probably where you want your every almost every down Viper.
1: Yeah, I thought he looked really good physically the other day, standing behind the defensive line. Rico Flores at one ninety eight. I don't I don't think that surprises any of us. Uh, no,
0: I like the way Rico Flores looks. His in that lower
1: body his lower body strength is is pretty special for a, a high school senior.
0: I pulled Tom aside, Tom Loy, in practice. I was like, look, man, I got to tell you something, what Rico Flores looks like to me, and I don't mean when he's catching passes or running down the field and running post routes. Right. He just reminds me of his gait, his hair, and his build of Larry Fitzgerald. And, of course, Jeremy starts laughing. I was like, I just mean look at him. And Loy looks no, over and he's like. I was like, you know what? That's really right. (laughs) I think that's
1: really fair. I I I hadn't said
0: a word to Kevin. Kevin said he's
1: going to be as good as Larry Fitzgerald. No, 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 no. I just think he
0: looks like him. And Kevin sent me a text the same day. He's like, just yesterday, I told somebody he looks like Larry Fitzgerald to me. So there you go. That's the other part from Irish Illustrated. Larry Fitzgerald is on Notre Dame's roster. And he (laughs) will be the featured wide receiver.
1: I don't know that Braylon James looks 195 to me.
0: I don't think so either. But
1: But if he is, that's great.
0: We have a question coming up. Um for wide receivers later. So we will, let's let's say yeah, really let's see, yeah,
1: we'll stay free from that. Christian gray, Christian Christian Gray at 184, I think is a good number for him. Osafa Mensel looks bigger to me at 260. Mm-hmm. Looks good. Uh we haven't had a chance to see Thomas Harper because he's banged up. But if he's a legit 195, that's a really good number for him, I think, because I've seen how he plays and he's quick. And if he's a quick 195, that's a good number. Who else? We talked about Carmody, uh, He's almost undoubtedly having going to have to be bigger than that.
0: yeah, I think it's good that Coogan hasn't been gaining weight. Remember, as a freshman, I just said that dude's just too big to be was, playing every down. and yeah, he
1: looked he looked huge I he didn't looked, think it was the sloppy huge as a freshman, but he
0: he, he had to get rid of it, with
1: yeah. yeah, with really good size. So anybody else? I think that's a yeah, those the guys that I wanted to uh, wanted to talk about. Uh, question from DJ S J N D F B: What did you think of the New York Times op-ed written by Father Jenkins and Jack Swarberg?
0: Well, the issue I have with it as well has been has been stated publicly by many. Um, it is the NCAA's fault. It is the college coaches, presidents, and athletic directors' fault that we got to this point. But that's no longer where we are. Trying to fix it, so I am not against Congress trying to fix the problem that ours one hundred percent. Self inflicted by those that have made money off of players for all these years. That is definitely a fault of the NCAA and the people that make money from this. But you have to move forward and figure out a way to control NIL because this has just absolutely nothing to do with NIL. I shouldn't say absolutely nothing. Some guys make money off real NIL deals, but the recruitment of players and the enticements of players has nothing to do with NIL. It's not what NIL was supposed to be about. Now, if you want to be upset that Coaches and athletic directors and colleges continue to have massive revenue streams because of these players, but they want to limit the players. I totally get it. That's what the original NIL fight was about. I just don't know what Congress will do though, Tim, either in this situation to fix the problem they're going to be handed if they're going, if they're handed. I don't know, but,
1: but they're the ones that wield the most power. So I understand why Notre Dame, I mean, clearly Jack Swarbrick has said this for a while that he, you know, he believes that the, he doesn't. To be to be clear, nobody wants to say, Congress, please help us, but they've reached a point where they feel that it's necessary to do that. I found it interesting that the letter urged the NFL in the NBA, well, the NFL to create a minor league system and for the NBA to you know, essentially eliminate the one and done situation that colleges find themselves
0: in. Yeah, it, you know? it's hard for the NFL and NBA to care about these well, things. I,
1: I I get that, but but the but college is the one that is supplying them with it the
0: is. Talent. I feel like it still supplies the talent though. Like if the NFL doesn't care what Sam Hartman's NIL deal is to come to Notre Dame or if it was to go to Alabama, they get to see Sam Hartman play and they will draft him from that. Like I, I just think it's outside their there are their problems. The NBA certainly doesn't care what the what twenty college basketball players from the NCAA will ever make because of because of Europe and the glut of talent there is everywhere. How many college basketball players make the NBA every year?
1: Boy, not I don't think
0: they care yeah. where that money comes from. I don't care if they, no, they transfer don't. four times. You know, it's just it's a. I'm not saying I know the fix. I just don't think the NBA <laughs> and the and the NFL are the fix. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I agree. I guess I would like to I would like to think that they could work together a little bit better. But to your original point, I mean the the NCAA abdicated their authority. I mean they yeah. they they created this and, it, and we've talked about it before that had you just been a little bit forward thinking and given you know we talk about Notre Dame and twenty five thousand per scholarship football player, if you'd done that across the board in college football ten years ago.
0: Oh yeah, it's that you'd have NAL now, an actual one. You you probably would,
1: and I you know I get where Notre Dame I get where Father Swar- uh, where Jack Swarbrick and Father Jenkins are are coming from on this, and you know when they say ninety nine percent of their student athletes that stay to get their degree or stay for four years get their degree, I mean they do that's what you know Notre Dame does, but the problem is the genie is out of the bottle here yeah, the, with NIL and it is pay for play and. You know, the whole idea of profiting from your celebrity is so far beyond that now.
0: That And the whole, it's not, yeah, it's not profiting from your celebrity. It's your presence. It's your promise. It's your, and look, you could say, well, anybody can be paid for their promise. Well, anybody that's getting paid for their promise should then be removed from their job for not showing out on that promise. And people get really mad. Listen to me. If people can, other teams can do this. Let's say Notre Dame paid for uh, Dante Moore paid him $1 million to come to Notre Dame, and then Dante Moore stunk. What happens when Notre Dame tries to cut Dante Moore? How does that look for Marcus Freeman and anybody else when Notre Dame would never remove a scholarship? Well, we were paying the guy a million dollars, and he's not any good. So I tried to use an extreme example here because Dante Moore probably would not get cut after one year. But let's just say he stinks straight out, flat out, like this guy can't play. We can't keep paying him. That's a huge situation that's been created too. You're not paid for it's pay for play, not pay for promise. I said this three years ago, if you want to get paid, you have to allow it to be get, get cut. And Notre Dame doesn't want to cut people from their scholarships. Good for them. I have less of a problem cutting someone from their scholarship, not their scholarship from their payment from their NIL payment. I don't think you should get paid if you're not any good, but that has nothing to do with this, of course, but Notre Dame Swarbrick and Jenkins cannot feel that way. They are educators. They make a lot of money Swarbrick and Notre Dame makes a lot of money off of this, but they also have to protect the interests of the university. And I talked to someone at Notre Dame during the pro day. If you don't think Notre Dame wants to operate differently around NIL and getting people into school that are transfers, you're just going to be very, very disappointed for a long time.
1: And I I've said this before as well. I mean, Marcus Freeman's uncomfortable with it too. He is learning how to deal with NIL because he's a head coach. I know we laughed about, would you rather, would you rather have the talent and deal with the problems with that? Of course, but there's a reality in coaching. And that is what happens behind closed doors has a huge impact on the the togetherness and the, the unity of your entire football program. The moving parts within a football program are, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it's numbers nice. that the sports that that you and I basically generally play, Tim, were, were considerably less than that, and so that's an issue um, not just for Notre Dame the university, but for Notre Dame the football department as well. So I understand where where Father Jenkins and Jack Swarbrick are coming from here. I you knew as soon as it, it was published that that, that there would be people that would jump on it. And that's, that's perfectly fine. But I think the essence of what they're saying is that we're, we are going to lose college football as we know it. And I think we, that we
0: definitely will lose college football. No, I think a lot of people don't care about that. As long as college football on TV is a good product for them to watch. That is not what a long time Notre Dame fan probably fell in love with Notre Dame for um, maybe we have to get used to that. If you're going to continue to watch college football, I did not watch much football last year. I must say, and think to myself, well, they wouldn't have him if it wasn't for NIL. I just watched the football games and they sure. unfolded. Sure. I did occasionally watch Alabama. Now look, Alabama didn't make the turn, the, the playoffs, So that's great. But I did watch Alabama and think, why the hell are they allowed to have Jameer Gibbs? That's an issue, too. That's a weird free agency thing. But that is definitely the new normal because that has nothing to do with regulation of NIL. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, if Jameer Gibbs could make money transferring somewhere and it's going to be it's going to be regulated, let's say, by Congress. He's going to choose Alabama because they're better.
1: Right. Yeah, So
0: it's still going to be the haves and the have nots. And we have a long way to go. And I, I understand the people that think this is your creation, not specifically Notre Dame and Father and Father Jenkins, Jack Swarbrick's creation, but it is certainly college football's creation that we are in this spot.
1: Question from Fighting Irish lover seven: Rank the new wide receivers based on immediate impact to the team, and then based on career impact. I'm a little hesitant hesitant to talk about career impact based upon, yeah, too abbreviated. Uh, uh, observations and I'm, go ahead tim and include caleb smith in this group too I would right
0: say. and i'm glad this question was asked because career impact on the team for both tim priester and i after watching 10 periods five of which both of us watch wide receivers completely should be almost no different than the career impact we wrote down on signing day because not much has changed yet we've only heard good feedback about the players my number one in this group for career was Jaden Greathouse. He was fourth on my total list. My number two was Rico Flores. And we had a long conversation about it. He was eighth. And my number three was Braylon James, and he was nine. I get all arguments to the Braylon James can become a better player with a higher ceiling than Great, excuse me, than Flores. Sometimes that low floor or the high floor in college football and you don't become a first round draft pick still makes you a damn good college football wide receiver. So I really don't want to go away from Flores because I just like him as a player. I get the Braylon James has a better chance of being a second round draft pick than Rico. Yeah, flores when
1: I understand said that, that. When, what the statement you just made, I immediately thought of Raymond McKnight. I don't think any of us thought Raymond McKnight was going to be a good pro, but he was a hell of a college right, right. College wide receiver. Eventually by the time he played with Notre Dame, where would you put Caleb Smith? I I haven't really seen an explosive Caleb Smith yet. I don't know how much. No,
0: neither have I. Um, I think Caleb Smith and Sam Hartman will have a good connection this year. Yeah. I I mean this is this is ridiculous to say. I can see all three of these other guys having a higher ceiling than Caleb Smith, but that's just because he's a Virginia Tech graduate transfer that had to come to Notre Dame for another year. So it, I'm sullied by thinking of it that way, right? Yeah. Um, someday one of these guys won't have a higher ceiling than Caleb Smith. That's just the reality of. Of recruiting the position but uh I have not seen again I've watched five periods and three included wide receivers because I watched defense the other day I haven't seen the explosive Caleb Smith either but I also haven't seen explosive Jaden Greathouse jump up and make an amazing catch on anyone because we haven't seen them go one-on-one
1: No, I did see him make an amazing in a drill in which you know they run at Stucky and Stucky throws him a bad ball or high ball I saw Greathouse make an amazing okay. leaping and grab, and that's good but, too you know it's you know that yeah, but well, you know i was I was hesitant to rank Flores too high because of his catch radius, yeah, um I keep forgetting the name of the receipt it's been a while ago, probably I don't know eight to ten years ago, a
0: white out that I, I think,
1: yeah i' I'll, I'll I'll think of it I, I, a a white out that I liked him coming out of high school but didn't have big catch radius. So I was a little bit cautious with Flores, but now we've seen him in person and physically the lower body strength is in looks to be incredible. Um, I Braylon James, frankly has looked a little bit better than I thought. I mean, we've seen some of the clips, some of the good, the, the really nice catches that he's made downfield and over the shoulder grab. I know everybody was gushing about a Hartman deep ball to him, which is what, you know, Hartman should be able to throw. You know, he should should be able, be able to beat be, a lot of Notre Dame's freshman yeah. corners
0: on these deep balls,
1: right? I mean, he should be able to hit a wide open wide out that's five yards past the DB, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's hard for me to rate him. I, I think Braylon James probably, in terms of readiness to contribute right away, is below the other two, and certain, and certainly Caleb Smith as well. Um, the upside. In, could so very Caleb well, Smith is ready.
0: Caleb to Smith's going to contribute. I don't want to oh, yeah, doubt yeah, yeah. that. He's, yeah. he's ready to contribute for sure. I,
1: I mean, I can see where the ceiling for Braylon James is higher than the other guys. Just yeah, that's, I mean, look. No, I know that
0: our recruiting guys Loy and Sinclair feel that way.
1: Too, yeah, I mean, way. look at. I mean, just look at their bodies. Look how they play. Look at the. You know, he Braylon James is is, is a pretty special athlete. But uh, it's, it's okay, it's okay to be great group. in college. It's okay yeah, to and just be great in college. To, that's, that's right. That's that's really all we're caring about here, but. I do want to mention, and I know it'll be lost when the freshmen aren't in the rotation in, in September, but you have, I mean, you have merit, you have Jaden Thomas, who's really starting to blossom. Colsey and Merriweather, you know, similar style receivers and and coming of age. And I expect Styles to um, you know, to have a bounce back year. So, and with Caleb Smith's experience, those guys are going to get snaps ahead. But I You know, I think, I mean, how Rico Flores can't, I mean, if what we've seen in this short amount of time is legit, you would think that that would be a guy that can probably help you.
0: Yeah, I think so. And we'll, we'll know more at the end of the spring and kind of when you talk to, not behind the scenes, because I if you can read what coaches say a lot, Stuckey and Freeman. When if we bring up Rico Flores to Stuckey, you'll know if it's a pump the brake situation or if, like, yeah, we got a dog right here, like that. You could just kind of right. tell he's yeah, no doubt. It. Next question from Day by Day Dawn. Do you guys think we will see Prince Collie and Jalen Sneed contribute a lot more versus last year? How'd they look this spring? The second part we have no idea, but the first part we could try. <laughs> they don't you saw five, yeah, I mean, five I... periods, did you see him touch a player?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really, you know, they're of comparable weights as they were, you know, we, everybody was impressed with, you know, the just the general athleticism with Prince Collie and Jalen Sneed. Uh, Do I think they'll contribute a lot more? I think they will contribute more. Yep. Um,
0: Sneed could be a lot more because he didn't contribute much last year. I think Sneed will contribute in the way he did in the Gator Bowl.
1: Yeah, I think so. Why don't you want to express your concern about Prince Kali? You want to say that publicly?
0: Yeah, I just think Prince Collie's. I think Collie's a good player. And I think you'll know about Collie. He should be, he should be a 1B if he's going to be an A ever.
1: Well, he's down to two years of eligibility, which That's is. That's what cool. I'm saying. And yeah, it's really concerning. You know, so all these guys have extra eligibility because of COVID. He doesn't because he came in the year after that. And I'm concerned about Collie. Assessing this situation with two years to go,
0: I am. I, I am too. It's fair too because I look. They're not gonna. J D Bertrand's not gonna lose many snaps. Prince Collie doesn't technically play middle anyway. I'm just pointing out. J D Bertrand's not gonna lose too many snaps. We all think Maris Leofau should not have led the team in snaps last year. At least we can all agree on that with the message board and uh, the complaints about Leofau. I have. I don't feel like for some reason he should have led the defense in snaps. But there had to be a reason they weren't turning to Kali. I want Kali to give them the reason to make sure they turn to Kali to augment totally agree. That's, that's the best way to say it about Prince Kali. Yeah, I, do, I put that, I see, I put love that more on I put that
1: more him.
0: Yeah, so do I.
1: Right. I, because, I mean, why would they not want him on the field if they were confident he knew what he needed to do? Exactly. I, I get. I mean, I get a fan's reaction to he has to play more. Well, he has to be better schooled in what his responsibilities are, and then he will play more. That's, That's how why, I feel. Like I, how, you know, people don't like JD Bertrand. Sorry, they can't take him off the field because he knows where all twenty-two parts need to be.
0: I also feel like people are kind of wrong about JD Bertrand in terms of, I, like, he could be quicker laterally, but they're wrong about his athleticism. He, I hate to tell everybody this. JD Bertrand's faster than Prince Collies. And embarrassingly, I, if I'm there, he's faster than him. You guys are all going to have to live with it. I don't know if he's still faster than Jalen Steed, but he was last year. I hope not because I thought Jalen Steed was going to be fast. So, yeah, from point A to point
1: B, moving yeah. forward. JD Bertrand is as quick as you could ask for in a, in a linebacker. Laterally, that's that's different, of course.
0: And Prince Collie on that play against BYU, he looked quick. He didn't always look quick though. There's, let's pull up the North Carolina tape where he's just totally in the wrong gap. And it, well, it cuts and, a long run. It's that's and a problem the South, too. In South
1: Carolina game, the most Yeah. yeah. No, I right, love but, I, mean, I love that I love the kid. I love the personality. I love the ability. He has to be better schooled in what his responsibilities are.
0: I will be surprised if Prince Kali is not talked about highly at the end of spring ball from Al golden, Marcus Freeman and golden saying things like it's his consistency is just light years better than it was last year. I think that's what we will see from Kali. And if that's the case, then he can be one B I agree or one A. he could be what there's other being one a either. You could beat out someone. Tavon Coney came and beat out people during the 2017 season. He overtook niles morgan and he overtook greer martini in total snaps because he became better
1: very high on prince collie what his capabilities are absolutely question for ferraro on air what irish quarterback all time is sam hartman most similar to whoa i wish
0: i wish i read this question (laughs) because i don't know who the answer is um we're having (laughs) conversations about what he like his stature and i mean he's nowhere near the stature of brady quinn that was The biggest people ever seen back there. Brady, I
1: I mean, I think I have a.
0: I think you have one.
1: Well, I do. I think. I mean, what are we talking about? Well, like all time, similar to similar ability, similar stature. I mean, similar
0: ability, and he's got to resemble him a little bit. Otherwise, it's a hard pull.
1: Stature. He's he's basically, He's the same size as Ian Book.
0: Oh yeah. That's that we talked about that. That's right. I feel like book looks more slender, but you're right. He's the same size as Ian,
1: but he sees the field better than book did. He doesn't run the football as well as book did, but I mean, I book did win. (laughs) He did put up over the course of his career, put up really, really good numbers. I think. They're nowhere near each other on deep
0: balls. They're nowhere near each other on deep balls. So Let's get away from book on this one.
1: Thank you. They're nowhere near on deep balls. I mean, I'm look Hartman's. Hartman's better than Ian Book, but I mean, we're asking for a comparison. He I doesn't, remind me, Claussen, he doesn't remind me me of Clausen, though.
0: He doesn't remind me of Clausen. He doesn't remind me of Clausen throwing the ball though.
1: No, I mean, I think I think accuracy-wise, Clausen was out of this world his junior year, accuracy-wise. Yeah. Uh Hartman's numbers don't reflect that. But I think in the right situation, he can be very, very, he will be very, very accurate.
0: I mean, Clawson should have been 28 touchdowns in one pick. Three of his four picks were a Hail Mary and two drop balls that were picked off. That's insane. On a terrible team with an average offensive line.
1: Oh, geez. Uh, that line, average. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, below average. They, they,
0: <laughs> they, they
1: reached average at some they, point. They, they reached average, average during that season, that season at times. Started, But, I mean, don't freak out when I say in book. I'm comparing the 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 body composition. Um I, you know, I mean, he's I think a better Hart- passer. He's just a
0: better passer than Ian Booker. He is.
1: Of course he is. He's yeah, of course he is. I'm not saying that Booker's as good as Hartman, but we're asking for a comparison to a Notre Dame quarterback all time.
0: I mean, I, how about uh deep ball? He throws a better deep ball, but the best deep ball recently was Kaiser. Hartman throws a prettier ball in Kaiser. I mean, Hartman's also a fifth year senior and Kaiser's best year was his redshirt freshman year. So this is a difficult comparison. He better be better than that. And Kaiser's yeah. a great runner. Kaiser's an all-time underrated runner that year, as a redshirt freshman, he was a weapon.
1: Yeah, he this really is a was. tough
0: one. Who's the I'm trying to think of? I mean, he throws a
1: prettier it ball than. be that there is nobody just. There like, might not be. He throws
0: a better ball than Brady Quinn too. I, Brady Quinn's strong in the stature and the pocket and everything, and he's a gutsy. But I, I think uh, and Jarius not gutsy Jackson. in a moxie way. Gutsy, actually gutsy on the field.
1: How about Jarius Jackson? No, not really. Yeah,
0: but, Herman's a better. Pastor. I mean, again,
1: I'm. I i 1st of all, I'm thinking. Uh, body composition and makeup, because we, there was talk over the weekend about Brady Quinn. Well, he's not as big as Brady Quinn.
0: No, not even close. Brady Quinn's a giant. Factor. Well,
1: I don't know the answer. There may not be one because you can't, you can't. I, you that. know what?
0: I think this will, this will be taken well across the internet. If I say Sam Hartman at Notre Dame reminds me of Joe Montana in his prime with the 49ers so everybody can just be happy now. That's what he looks like, guys.
1: Well, and there's probably somebody that we're not thinking of, and I, and I'm sure our, our listeners will say, "Hey, what about him?" And then we'll come back and say, "Ah." didn't think about him you're right question from sean underscore mccarthy for what are your impressions of the quarterbacks and wide receivers after week one of spring practice we've kind
0: of walked all over this one we did walk all over that one but as i said one through four they look better at quarterback and wide receivers isn't a fair comparison because if they didn't look better than last year's wide receivers after one week of spring practice there'd be wholesale firings of the entire coaching staff Yeah, that was this... awful that was ridiculous what they had That's last cool. year's it really bad.
1: I mean, it's there. There's a lot of hope here there. There's a lot of, um, you know, anticipation of their passing game when well, it starts with the fact that you've got a trigger man like that is going to make the receivers probably look better than they really are in terms of development, because let's face it. I mean, Colsey still has a long way to go. Meriwether has a long way to go having Sam Hartman throwing him football is going to shorten the learning curve for them. They're going to be in a position to just, you're open, he'll get you the ball, you make a play.
0: And I don't want to downplay how much better they look at receiver, but last year we also had the, not the benefit, but the regret of knowing the ceilings of some of the players for the year. Like Deion Colsey was just not, Ian Colsey had a better year than I thought he could possibly have last year.
1: I think he had a better year than the coaching staff
0: believed. Yes, that's the most important thing. And Jaden Thomas had a year the coaching staff hoped he could have. Right. Braden yes. Lindsey was open. I'm not taking anything away from Braden Lindsay. Brayden Lindsay would like to have Sam Hartman throw the ball deep downfield too, because it'd be a bunch of touchdowns for him. Um, and then like Joe, they're counting on Joe Wilkins, who we knew was a average backup receiver that you could hope that would help your team as opposed to he was the starting boundary receiver when he got hurt. Remember he got hurt in April, you know, open practice. And that was it, basically. They were counting on Salerno. He did. He did make the biggest play of the game against Ohio State. Matt Salerno does not have to be in other than for blocking purposes this year. If the, if the younger guys don't block as well as him, he'll be in there in some of those situations because he did. He did a good job.
1: Yeah. Wilkins peaked against Duke in the season opener.
0: He had, you know, he had that other season opener. He had the leaping touchdown against. Florida oh, he did. State. That's right. That that's was it. that was nice play.
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh, those but, are. He was six years, two catches. That's pretty cool that we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, in those him. two instances, he was really, really good.
0: Next from Martin Evenflow. Do you recall a positional coach whose positive impact, both in coaching and recruiting, considering the hand he was dealt, has been greater than Chauncey Stuckey's? I guess not, because I'm sure we could think of one, but he is the notable example right now.
1: Yeah, I started to look at a list going back year by year. The first guy that as I started to go back, and it's not answering the question because he was defensive coordinator. What what Mike Elko did for the defense walking? My first thought that's ridiculous. What he inherited. Now it's not an exact comparison because that's as that's as the coordinator and Stucky's a position coach with receivers, but that was the first guy that I thought of. I mean, let's I mean, imagine that turnaround from the disaster that uh, you know first was inherited four games into the season when bvg was fired um no Stuckey's done a great job and let's not <laughs> again remember the out right now, and outside have not arrived
0: they haven't done anything
1: uh, you know they're trending real strongly but they they really haven't they haven't arrived yet
0: all right mike mickens
1: i thought it took a little I, I thought of him. I thought of him. I think that's probably the best comparison. That's probably the best comparison. I thought it took a little bit longer out of the gate than it did yeah. for Stucky. His cor- Although, he, you hey, know, Stucky well,
0: Stucky's play. team hasn't done anything. We just like him now. and player.
1: Stucky, yeah. you know, Styles was not good last year. That right. Now I don't. Again, I've said this many times. I didn't just because a player doesn't play well doesn't mean the coach screwed up. You do the best that you can, but you can't develop every player. And I don't know what happened with Lorenzo Styles last year. I I think he, I'm not sure that he had both feet in. I think that might've been the biggest problem of all.
0: Um, This isn't totally fair because Alton Fisher got older and healthy, but Harry, he stands last year. Had a phenomenal year compared to the year before. Um, I
1: think about the development of Corral, especially after like the first couple games.
0: Yes. Yeah. The Patterson move. There's, they had it. Yeah. It's, it's weird that they lost all those games because it seemed like they all did well.
1: Yeah. Good question. Uh, we're going to flip to uh, basketball here, real quick, from Packy P. What was it about Micah Shrewsbury that got Jack Swarbrick locked in on him from the get go before his Big Ten tournament and NCAA tournament success? He's only been a head coach at the major college level for two years. I like the higher, but just curious why Swarbrick was fixated on him from the jump.
0: Um, He is a, the word is not holistic. That's what all the players and coaches use, but it's improper. He, in terms of recruiting battles, he will win and the kind of, Change in approach from Mike Bray. I think it was always going to be part of it. A guy that will play more, a guy that will emphasize defense more was always going to be coming in. Um, that's what happens when you need a fresh start. And I think Shrewsbury was the best one to fixate on that would come to Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, because I think I think Notre Dame's a destination for him, not a stepping that's, stone. People right. were asking, I, I was asked over the weekend about um dust dustin may at florida atlantic was he on the list why didn't they consider him i expected that question to come because as soon as one of these coaches goes deep in the tournament and it's a good question because he's a damn good coach
0: yeah
1: but he he's from the the indiana university tree so i think Nordane probably looked at him and thought okay Matt, matt doherty right when matt when when mike woodson i don't know if mike woodson's in it for the long haul he may be you know i don't know, but. I think they probably look at looked at May as a guy like, well, as soon as as soon as IU comes calling, he's going to be gone. I don't know. Other than the NBA, I don't. There's not. I mean, I don't know that Shrewsbury is going to jump to another college. I think he would. Would he have taken in a in another time and place? Would he have taken the Indiana job or the Purdue job? Yeah, I think he would have done that too. But I think Notre Dame's a destination for him uh and a perfect example of that is a seven-year contract that he signed
0: you can't you can't protect against someone's nba wishes that's just going to be if you have a coach good enough to be coveted by the nba you've done your job by hiring him at notre dame because that's awesome uh and i want to make sure i point this out i am not comparing may's coaching acumen to matt doherty but matt doherty always was looking to go to north carolina if the opportunity
1: well and the other thing definitely
0: not making that comparison for anyone that heard me say matt doherty
1: no because he was a he was a crazy man that was driving the
0: player's and not in the final, and not in the final four before he games. To- no, no, definitely not.
1: Uh, you know, to answer the question, the coaching tree. When the coaching tree includes Brad Stevens and then the NBA experience, and I know Matt Painter hasn't done a great job against lower seeds in the NCAA tournament, but I, it's it's pretty clear that Matt Painter's a yes. hell of a coach. So, you know, coaching tree, uh, the 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 desire to be at Notre Dame, the the NBA and college background. I think both, I think it's good to have both. I mean, you've seen it from both sides. Uh, I do
0: too. I think that's a fantastic addition to the situation. And we said uh, his run means nothing in terms of how he's going to coach next year, but it does mean something for his next two years of recruiting.
1: Yeah. I think we were asked in the last podcast, you know, what, what role the run played and it had nothing to do with it. And again, looking at it from the standpoint of administrators, you don't you don't react to every you know good weekend of basketball and say, okay, now that's the guy that we wanted. That this was a bigger picture thing with Shrewsbury, and Shrewsbury did Nordame a favor by making a run in the Big Ten tournament and playing yep. well in the NCAA tournament and kind of paving the way for a fan base. It's like, oh wow, this guy's pretty good. Had he lost, I mean, think about it, Tim. Sure. The Semibimals. reaction to Shrewsbury would be. If he had won one game in the Big Ten tournament instead of three, and he had maybe, won, let's say, won the first NCAA tournament game, but then they, they lost by 20, 22 in the second game. it a with team like Connecticut
0: that could beat anybody by 22. And it, wouldn't, <laughs> it would have nothing to do with it, his coaching yeah. ability.
1: How about this Final Four? Is that something?
0: Yeah, it is. That's a. I can find anybody
1: a, to have a bracket with those four.
0: If I will retweet Matt Fortuna's tweet about someone uh, imitating Jim Larinaga because it is one of the funniest things you will ever watch.
1: Imitating on Twitter. him. Uh,
0: acting, talking about like it, just using his, his accent and yeah, how he, he talks is. about coaching old school and talks yeah. about all New York stuff. Like it is, it is amazing. It's absolutely incredible.
1: Now that dude's a hell of a coach.
0: Yeah.
1: A hell of a coach. All right. We're going to wrap up long segment two here with Tim, with Tim and Tim from Je- Justin H. 79095883. Are we going? We is Notre Dame going to go undefeated and win the national championship?
0: I think if Shrewsbury gets in a couple undergrad transfers, they will. Yes, is that the question?
1: I don't think so. I think, oh, it's you think about it was
0: football? football. You think it was football? Yeah, yeah, um, let's see. That'd be tough. That would be a tough thing to do, but it'll be fun to watch if Notre Dame beat. here's the deal. If Notre Dame ends September undefeated, everybody can say, ask this question, are we going to go undefeated and win the national championship? Because then you can realistically ask such a question.
1: If you had a Clark Lee defense with this, with what we think this offense can be.
0: Do I get his defensive line, or are you just saying they're going to hold people to lower point totals? I, can I I'm, have Tillery, Aquara, Kareem?
1: Yeah, I'm speaking in general <laughs> terms, not specific yeah. personnel the productivity of the Clark Lee defenses with the potential of this offense, I would say, yeah, they can make a run at, it. they can get to the playoffs. I'm not, you know, when Notre Dame wins, did? I, hey, I didn't predict Notre Dame would win a national title in 1988. I can, I promise you I didn't. Or in didn't
0: 2012, play? you didn't think they're going to get to the playoffs? That's for sure. I, you know, 2018 I got, I we kind of, of did after one win.
1: Yeah. And you know what? 1993 as, as obvious as it now looks, Although you had Kevin, Kevin McDougal was the quarterback. How, right. How, well,
0: and we thought Michigan was going to beat him pretty good, actually. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's why I said, get out of the Ohio state game. If you're, if you beat Ohio state, don't lose to who do they play instead of Marshall this year. Somebody like that. I haven't seen the schedule yet. Don't lose to one of those teams, but the real problem is USC is now no longer like, Oh, this is a tough rivalry game. They have to get past it. It's, wow. This is going to be a problem.
1: Yeah. That's a, that that's the thing. I mean, because for the second year in a row, you've got Ohio state Clemson in a real USC. in a and real USC. That's really difficult to do, but can't wait till it comes around, man. It's going to be fun. We appreciate you joining us today. We're going to be back on Thursday, March 30th. We will not have an opportunity to see practice between now and then, but we'll have interviews with L. Golden and the linebackers on Wednesday. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. And we can ask him if Prince Colley is going to start and if Jalen Steed is taking over for Bertrand or not in the middle. We'll be perfect. We'll you, you bring we'll that question that. up.
1: Until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Irish Illustrated Insider.